It's time to get the inside scoop on the Utah Jazz. From the play-by-play -play voice of the Jazz, David Locke. Sweet revenge! Presented by Murdoch Auto Group. Ow! On 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Welcome back, everybody. It is... JJ and Alex, 97.5 the KSL Sports Zone. Thanks for being with us on the program. Lots going on. On a day that we did not expect to uh, get anything from the breaking news and the, the KSL Sports NHL news desk. We, uh, we have all sorts of movement on that front. Could we get another professional team here? Would it be hockey before baseball? It's insane to think about. But uh, we don't want to, get, we don't want to uh, count our chickens, as it were. Our program is always brought to you by G2G Bars, all natural ingredients, no preservatives. The G2G Bar is perfect for anybody who needs a quick, tasty, nutritious boost. Uh, they're right here in the fridge in the studio. Uh, they basically fuel JJ and I for the hour that, or for the three hours that we're in here. Joining us on the program right now, he is David Locke, voice of the Utah Jazz. Locke, what's going on? What a fun game last night, man. These last two games have been awesome to see two of the best teams in the NBA come in and the Jazz take them down. Yeah, they've been really, really good. Both teams were highly entertaining. Jazz played really well. Give me an update, by the way. I haven't heard what. Oh, listen, Kevin Weeks, who used to used to be goaltender, does a he's an analyst for ESPN in the NHL. Just tweeted out a picture of downtown Salt Lake. Now it was an old picture of Salt Lake, but you know one of those beautiful ones with the with the mountains in the background downtown, and it's just eyeballs, just the big eyeballs, because that's how you tweet that there could be potential news, and then. We got word that the ownership group is actually going to be meeting uh, tomorrow and that there's a land meeting also with that same ownership tonight, and it is not looking good, according to reports. They may be forced to uh, give the NHL the uh, operating of the, of the franchise while they are forced to sell it. That might be that's, – that's the direction. The team, the, team here, the team here in Arizona? The team in Arizona yes. – uh, the land deal that they apparently said that they had going possibly is just a land auction that might not actually go through. And even then, the league is like, "Hey, this has been a long time coming." They're in a they're in a uh, an NCAA hockey rink right now that that holds about five thousand people. The league is sick of them, and everybody who knows these this uh, Morello ownership group knows that they do not do a good job. Anyway, the the deal was. It looks like that uh, sooner rather than later could be an issue of an NHL team coming here. So that's that's big news. But of course, we won't get too far ahead of it. But that's the update, at least, that we got today. That was the interesting question that Ryan has in, in his interviews has been kind of willing to do both. But you you feel an energy from him yes. that the preference might be to have an expansion team because of the success that the Golden Knights and the Kraken have had. Right. That an existing franchise doesn't seem to be as appealing. I don't know why. And then particularly if they're poorly run, you're probably playing from behind the eight ball of it. But if you also mean that's how you get a franchise, then that's how you get a franchise. That's exactly right. Because they said last week, Gary Bettman, the commissioner, said last week at a press conference, he's like, yeah, expansion's uh, nowhere in the near future. Right. They you, just went to 32. If, uh, if you want expansion, you're going to have to wait a while. Yeah, so I think that that was kind of the mention. Well, and then, then that answers that question. Right. Yep. So 
At the very least, it's uh, very compelling stuff over the last couple of days. Uh, let's- well, it's interesting because um, well, it's interesting because I talked to somebody. I don't want to say who, and I don't know how good a source who, like, just thought the A's to Salt Lake was just a guarantee. Like that was they're they in baseball and their their reaction was like, well, you have, have the A's. I was like, well, were we? And, yeah, well, yeah, of course. Look out! So we got some wild stuff going on. Yeah, it could be pretty crazy. It's not a pipe dream now that we could have both MLB and NHL here in some form for 24-25. Yeah, I mean, this is just way faster than I ever thought. I, I really, right. I, I thought by 20, I've, I've said this a lot to people, I've been saying this for years, probably two years, that by 2034, we would have a second Olympics and three professional, three of the major sports teams. We're well on our way like, for all those I, things, right? But twenty—I mean, twenty Olympics was like the was the like non-controversial comment. That seems to be, you know, still non-controversial. But I never thought that the other two could happen that fast. Yeah, I mean, here we are. It's crazy. If it does happen quickly, I mean, obviously, there's a—you have a very willing ownership group that could slide in and say, "Hey, we'll uh, we'll take this thing over." So there you go. Uh, right. Lock. My goodness. Let's talk about the next. 24 hours and what that looks like because obviously with the trade deadline coming up tomorrow, I think five Eastern is uh, is when everything ends. And so, what is no, the tw- I think three? I thought three Eastern. Yeah, three. Three Eastern. Eastern sorry, Correct. one p.m. here. Do you when these 24 hours are wild? I mean, the the, the week leading up to it. In, in my mind, it makes last night's game even more impressive when you know that these guys are 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 you know before games and maybe after games getting on their phones and seeing a bunch of stuff about themselves on social media. Yeah, they're at halftime, probably. <laughs> um, like, I'm going to be totally honest about it. Um, yeah, I mean, this. I thought Will had some nice compliments to this group last night. Um, just kind of how they play for each other and together um, and, and without agendas. And I think, you know, I think we've seen some guys press and some guys be tight. But I also think we've seen them do exactly that. You know, they, they play as a collective group. They've been very willing to play, you know, without fixed rotations. I think there's been an understanding that, like, okay, Lowry's our best player, but it's really not clear who our second best player is. And, you know, and then from there, uh, be willing to kind of adapt. And, I mean, the guy I thought maybe adapted the most last night was Kelly Olenek, who's just brilliant. And then he gets taken out of the game and doesn't finish. Right? But he was... I thought he, his seven, eight, nine-minute stretch there in the second half was about as good as he could be. So, you know, these guys have, have collectively, you know, bought into what they're doing and have created great entertainment the last two nights have been about as far as you can have. I spent uh first 10 minutes of our show today praising Chris Dunn. Uh, it's just a tremendous story, and it gets better almost every game the way he plays. I would love to get your perspective on Chris Dunn Everyone knows the story by now. Um, things didn't work out as a lottery pick. Had to go through the G League to get back in the league, and here he is. Uh, from your perspective, watching him every night, how impressed have you been with him? And uh, where does where does he rank among stories that you've had uh, uh, with the Utah Jazz that have just really impressed you? Yeah, he and I ended up in the gym together somewhere along the way, and we had a lengthy conversation. We're on bikes next to each other, and it was interesting to talk to him about it. Like. He, he has such a great approach to what happened to him. He openly admits he like lost the love for the game, 
ran by and the, and the politics of the game and, and all of that. I think a lot of guys who are in Chicago felt that way. Um, and then when he goes to the G League, he gets rejuvenated by the guys there and their quest and their effort to try to, to, to bring it back. You know, those guys are all trying to make it, right? So, I mean, I think he, you know, kind of went to the G League probably a little sour on the league and the environment and experiences he had. And then when he actually gets there, he gets revitalized by those guys. You know, the other thing he talked about is, you know, when you're fifth pick in the NBA draft, there's suddenly an awful lot of people around you. And it's, it's really hard to be able to figure out, like, who's with you for the right reasons and who's with you for the wrong reasons. But when you're in the G League, it's really easy to figure out who's still with you. Right? And then when you come yeah. back out of that on the backside, you have this love of the game, and then you also now know that, like, oh, anybody who's still in your camps with you the whole time, well, those are, good, those are your people. And, and the others have all now been exposed for who were just taking you, you know, because they wanted to be on the ride with you, not because they were there for you. And so I think it's been the whole, that whole experience for Chris has been kind of a, 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 a bur- freedom of a burden and then lets him play with kind of a chip on his shoulder. He was brilliant last night. He's been, you know, we're really quite good. I think we're uh, 17 and 8. Since he started, something like that, 16, 8, something like that. Um, since he was moved in the starting lineup, mm. I think we're 19 and 10 since Colin was in the starting lineup. Um, so, I mean, he's he's been a he's been the perfect addition to this basketball team. That's they they needed toughness and grit and ball movement, and he's been that. And his play late in the game on the offensive play when he drove uh, and got it off to Walker was really. That's about as good a basketball play as you can make. And then his defensive plays and the transition last night, the defensive transition that he led last night was terrific. And that's exactly what Will Hardy talked about in you know, two press conferences before saying, you know, we got to get better. We're just letting guys go in transition. We got to get back and defend in transition. Locke, what's the, uh, when you look at, when you look at kind of, you know, how each of these teams approach tra- the trade deadline. And, you know, I think that we sort of look at it like it's this uh, in the box, like, you know, oh well, they're looking for X, Y, and Z. Uh, but how much are how much are GMs like totally flexible to listen to whatever and and decide? You know what? I mean, and a guy like Danny Ainge and Justin Zanuck, especially who seem to be flexible with anything being a possibility out there. What's the approach uh, to this team when you are five hundred? Uh, things have gone really well, but they've also again gone in weird directions too. Of not really finding yourselves uh, in, you know, as soon as you think they're gonna, they're doing well, they're not, and and then they go back and forth. So, how do you approach this, and how does this, how do Danny Ainge and Justin Zanuck typically approach these days that you've seen over the last two years now that you've watched them both do it as a team? So, I mean, it's, so. Let's address one thing just so the whole interview is not super weird for everybody. I'm not allowed to comment on reports that are out there as a team employee. We already told everybody. Um, We're like, so don't expect what? it. We okay. were like, don't okay. expect yeah. it to do yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I just want to make sure people don't think we're just being super weird. Because um, <laughs> that would have been really weird. Um, so that's the – so, I mean, I think what's unique to the Jazz is by the time we hit 1 o'clock tomorrow, I would guess there will be a multitude of deals – and my guess is that some of them will make us better immediately, and some are with an understanding for the long term. And that's 
because a deal that can make you better in the short term might actually also have, you know, some lasting power to it that, that there's players to be acquired that can make you better. You know, they're a piece of a puzzle two or three or four years down the road. And so I think there is a real chance that we'll see, you know, Jazz making many, you know, three deals and, you know, two of them are on one side ledger and one of them's on another. And you're like, well, what were they doing? Well, they're just evaluating each circumstance in the way that's most beneficial. I do think the Jazz eyes are toward 2028, not 2020, not, I've said this before, not April 15th of 2024. Like, I don't think the goal in any meetings right now are how are we going to make ourselves better on April 15th of 2024 for this playoff run. I think the vision is how are we going to make ourselves better hopefully in June of 2028? You know, what are the foundational building blocks of the future? You're well plugged into the league. Uh, You hear a lot of things. Uh, Would you be surprised if there isn't any major deals? You mentioned the Jazz might be involved in some things. But uh, it doesn't feel like there's anything big out there right now. Would you feel you, you feel that's the case? Well, I mean, an All NBA player and pass got moved exactly right, and OG and Nobi already got moved, and Terry Rozier already got moved. So those are three, in, and there were players, Emmanuel quickly, and, and players going the other way. So those are three pretty big moves that have already happened. Um, I do think you know Masai Ujiri, the GM in Toronto, kind of read the tea leaves. So he thought time to go was early yeah, and that changed this deadline a little bit. Um, and I think you might've been right. Um, what I, you know, last year, the trade deadline was crazy at the very last minute. There were just a bunch of players moved like for a million second round picks. Like the currency became second round picks. There actually have not been many, like the jazz got a first round pick in last year's trade deadline. I don't think many other people did. Like if you go back through the transactions last year, when the Jazz made that move, they ended up with a first-round pick. Uh, I, my memory is there weren't. Uh, the other one was the Spurs kind of surprisingly got one for Jakob Pertl. Um, But otherwise, you know, my memory is like Sadiq Bay went for like four or five second-round picks, and then Gary Payton got moved for a bunch of second-round picks, and James Wiseman got moved for a bunch of second-round picks. So that was kind of the currency that was out there, and that seems to be maybe the currency that's going on right now, too. If the Minnesota reports are true that Monty Morris got traded, they did move two young players, who, but they had to also match salary. Um, but they, there were sec, you know, second-round picks are, seem to be the currency right now. If you can get first, I think you have to jump at it right now. They're just hard to get. Yeah, we shared a stat yesterday that uh, I believe 11 teams in the NBA control 75% of the f- of future draft picks. Is, is that really having an impact <laughs> on the fact that it's hard to make really deals because, because teams don't have picks to make the deals? Right. Right. That's so 11 teams hold 75% of the first-round picks or just all the picks? I think maybe of all the draft picks, all the uh, the upcoming – it's not even just first round. I think it's I think it's – Maybe it was first round. We we read it yesterday. It sounded very legit yesterday. All right. So <laughs> asking for all these details right now. I'm sorry. My uh, bad. No, 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 no. We bad. were <laughs> short, short attention span theater. <laughs> no, but they. It, it was one of those things that was brought up, and I think that we as we see what the Jazz have in terms of capital. And speaking of capital, we talk about the draft capital all the time. And you know, Sam Presti from the Thunder is one of those guys that you know. Oh, first of all, he was like. 
I don't know. What was it's, that last? Sorry, let me. I have an update. It's trade, what is it? tradable first round picks. Tradable first round. Tradable picks. first round picks. Seventy five percent. Seventy five percent owned by eleven percent of the team. Sam Presti was there. So and, it's interesting. There, let me make sure that makes sense to yeah, people because yeah. the problem is you can't trade a first round pick two years in a row. Yes, right. So if you've already given up some of your picks, then you're really limited you're out of it. You're able to right. Yeah, so that's that gets super. That's an interest, really, really interesting stat, and it's kind of the compounding impact of teams giving up first round draft picks is that then they can't move futures. So Sam Presti, who's the general manager of the uh, and uh, vice president of of the Thunder, that's a guy that one has been doing this for a long time, but is also a little bit of one of those guys too that I looked at and I go, man, the Thunder have figured out a way to somehow be a contender, and then get you know years ago and then get back to that spot again, how smart is he as a GM? Because it seems like the Jazz and the Thunder, people talk about those two as kind of being teams that, while they aren't on the same exact path, obviously the Thunder are a little bit or a lot more ahead of the schedule. Uh, it certainly is looked at like, man, he's made some crazy decisions, and a lot of it has to do with a lot of the draft picks that are in their back pocket. Well, I mean, so first you got Shea, right? Mm-hmm. So for Paul George, you got a player better for than he got the better player in the deal, and he got a bunch of picks. So the Paul and he had you know the Clippers, Kawhi Leonard was holding the Clippers hostage, saying he wouldn't come to the Clippers unless they got Paul George and Sam Presti fleeced L.A. because he had all the leverage in the world, and he got Shea, who at the time wasn't better, but is now a better player than Paul George. Um, so that's the first thing. Like they have an All NBA top ten player. That that's you know. You have to have that. And so they got that. And then, you know, he has all these picks. The truth of the matter is he's had, you know, a lot of misses for, but he hit twice in a big way. He hit on Chet Holmgren with the number two pick, who's mm-hmm. really, really good. And he hit on Jalen Williams out of Santa Clara with the 14th or 16th pick, whatever that was. That, and he's really, really good. And those were the same draft. And that's, you know, that was a wildly successful draft. That, he also drafted Pokashevsky and he drafted Trey Mann and he drafted Josh Giddy. Right. And we'll see if Josh Giddy turns out um, as a piece of their puzzle. I don't think he will be. Um, he would be a wild card name that could move tomorrow. I don't think they'll do that yet, but at some point they need to. Um, so, I mean, what, he, what, what you just need to have, the point of this is that you have to have a lot of different shots of the apple or whatever because the draft drafting's really hard. And, they had one great draft. I mean, Chet Holmgren and Jalen Williams are just terrific. But the key to the whole thing is they got Chet. And and then, you know, and the draft a little. For ours, we got Lowry, but he's a top 25 player, not a top 10 player. Big difference, right? I mean, like, uh, they're yeah. they're awesome. But, man, if you're, and the reality is is that – I mean, Shea might be a top five player. Right. Yeah. He might, I mean, he's he an might. MVP candidate this year. Sure. I, don't, I don't know how you can argue that. Yeah. Uh, Locke, this uh, – the rest of this, the rest of this week is kind of crazy, right? I mean, you, there's a lot that's going to be going on, but we're uh, we're keeping you in mind. We're also keeping the jazz in mind, and we're also uh, keep, keeping our ears pressed firmly to the ground to find out everything that's going to happen before or right around that trade deadline. So we're looking forward to it, man. Thanks for coming on as usual. We appreciate it. I mean, on the on the court, let's just make sure we all, on the court realize what a treat we're getting, right? We just got Giannis in the Thunder. Yep. And now we got to wa- we get to watch Durant be a Booker. And then we get Steph, LeBron, and Steph next week. Yep, pretty crazy. Like, it's pretty incredible. So, what a treat. What an absolute treat. By the way, I just want to point out that I had to step inside for this interview. I thought I was doing this interview because I thought we were gonna, I was going to go on a walk and get away from everyone and be outside. It's too cold in Arizona it right is. now. 
I had wow. to step inside. Look at you. Um, yeah, I know. I'm a little like I see, you know. You look at Feb- you look at February Arizona. You're like yeah. Yeah, I'm a ski powder in the morning. I'm a ski powder in the morning. I'm gonna sit by the pool in the afternoon. No such luck. <laughs> Bummer. Locke, we appreciate it, man. We'll talk to you again next week. Okay, see you guys. There you Thanks, go. Locke. Hey, Jeremy, uh, send Locke a uh, hospitality basket. Sounds like things are rough down there in uh, Phoenix. It's going to be a tough 24 hours for that team. <laughs> yeah. He should check out the Coyote stuff. What's going on? Oh, yeah. He, hey, he could go out there and start hitting the, hitting the ground, start asking some questions. Yeah, it, you know, that's the thing is when you're on the road, it's weird because yes. – You'll get shipped out. So here's how it works. You'll get shipped to your new team while you're still on the road. And you'll meet up with them. And then somebody will pack your things and they'll send it out to you. The Jazz are going to have a get-your-stuff-off-the-bus moment tomorrow, maybe. I mean, they already did today, essentially. Who was it? What? Who was it that we were watching? Remember we were on, like, bag watch. Somebody brought a bag into the arena and they walk in. <laughs> you remember that? And they, and they were like – and they, it was five hours before game. Before, it was during shoot around. Oh, that's right. I mean, it was like two or three hours. But it was, it was right around the trade deadline. And they went in. They had a duffel bag. They hugged their buddies and walked out. And that was it. Maybe it was Rubio. Maybe it was Ricky Rubio. Just because these guys make a lot of money doesn't mean they're not human beings with no, no, and no. lives and families and stuff. Like you gotta, we have to keep reminding ourselves of that. Like let's treat these people with some respect and. Understand this is tough. It's hard for these people. It's hard for David Locke, who's built relationships. You know, he can't he can't talk about the Simone Fontecchio trade. I'm sure he would have if once he's done, he's gonna have a lot of great things to say about Simone Fontecchio once the trade is official and he can talk about it, but he had to do the whole interview knowing what's happening and you know, he, he did share some other information that I thought was interesting. That might be what did he say? It, I wouldn't be surprised if there are two or three of these. Yeah, might things. be. Might, wouldn't be surprised if there are two or three deals. And this is not going to surprise any of us if it happens tomorrow. But yeah, it's this is tough. I hate the idea of twenty twenty eight being the goal versus like twenty twenty six. Like that's I, I think that <laughs> I window? appreciate Locke being honest about it because and we talked about out, this dude. I think in the last week. I told you that. This is not gonna be. This is not gonna happen overnight. Ugh. This is a process to borrow something from the old Sixers, and nobody wants to hear that word. Trust the process, especially that phrase is not something that's fan friendly. Nobody wants to wait. We all want it now. Yes, but the truth is, yeah, if this team's not gonna be contending overnight, Ugh. there's not a deal out there. And I, I I joked the other day. I think I brought this up on the show. Is we were sitting around after our show on Sunday night, KSL Sports Live crew down on the TV side of things, and. The question was, is there a big name the Jazz could even get at the trade deadline with the assets they have? And I went through and I started, the guys were asking us, I I started from the bottom as far as standings are right now. And I went through the entire league and came up with nothing. (laughs) Nothing realistic. Right. The only only name that I thought that would make any sense of a team that might think about moving a guy was Trey Young. We've already talked about that. It's just not a good fit. No, please don't. I was like, why don't they go out and get Luke at the trade deadline? Well... (laughs) Because the Dallas Mavericks have no interest in trading one of the top five basketball players on the planet, no matter how many assets you have. So you got to have opportunity, and the opportunity isn't there right now. So there's not any big deals that are going to happen tomorrow. Like Slock said, the biggest the biggest happened already. You think so? All right. Pascal Siakam okay to the that. Pacers. That's that's your quote unquote trade deadline. Right. And the big and the big big deals happen in the summer. I mean that's that's Clear, the reality. Yeah, and we're sometimes right now. late in the summer. 
Right. Damian Lillard got traded was September? to the Bucks. what, like early, two days before camp started? Yeah, it was like early September. Yeah. It happened during football season. Crazy. And like it got, it didn't get as much buzz because it happened in football season. Yeah, that's the way you want to do it. I mean, Jazz, by the way, are... Milwaukee, uh, they were, they were, they're, they're thinking about the Packers. They don't care about the Bucks. Jazz, by the way, are two games ahead of the Golden State Warriors for that 10th uh, spot play-in. Yes. Warriors coming to town twice for a double dip next week on the 12th and then on the 15th again. So what, 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 okay, so they'll do, yeah, so tomorrow they're in, tomorrow they're in Phoenix. I mean, you know, obviously they're there already, but tomorrow they play the Suns. Uh, gosh darn it, it just went away from me here. So yeah, they'll play the Suns. And then they've got the Warriors, Lakers, Warriors at home before the All-Star break. Yes. So four more games left to the All-Star break. There you go. We'll take a break. We'll come back. As a bummer, I, I I really liked Simone Fontecchio, but you know what he did? He became a way more valuable. Think about all the look. He was a way. He was the big. He was the most valuable piece in that trade that uh, that went down today. Yeah, no question. After after you didn't even know if that guy was going to be on the roster. While it's tough that he's leaving here, where he he found a place, he's in a position now as a restricted free agent in the offseason. Now that he's proven that he's a uh, not only a rotational player, but he can be a starter in this league. Yeah. He's going to get. Not only stick around the league, but he's going to get paid pretty well. Okay, we'll take a break. We've got tons more to go. We've got our NFL Blitz. Uh, yeah, we've got our best and worst of the show. So stay right here, 97.5 VKSL Sports Zone.